Hey, this is Philip Craig here. I'm the pastor of Aria Church. This is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this empowers you. I hope it fuels your faith, and I hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. All right, okay, we're going straight into the third part of our Truish series. Has anybody been enjoying this series at all? Or maybe it's just hurting you because it's realigning you and it hurts to repent and say, okay, I got that wrong. Maybe it was a wee bit off course over the past 10 years or 10 months or 10 days or whatever it is. And that's okay because we're all on the same journey. We need truth. Um, And it's super important. I want to go ahead and welcome uh, everybody that's listening online on YouTube, on Facebook, um, and everybody in the room. If you're here for the first time, I want to especially welcome you. Can we go ahead and put our hands together at church for first-time guests? We're so glad you're with us. Also, we had six people uh, join our dream team this week. On, we went through our first Zoom. Uh, some of you are sick of Zoom, but it comes in handy at times. Uh, we had our first Zoom growth track, which is how people get involved and a part of our church. And six people went through it, done their spiritual gifts test, done their personality test, and found out about the vision of the church. And so they're ready to be activated and get on teams. So if that's you, uh, we're going to run those probably monthly at the minute online, really easy, uh, on a Wednesday night for about an hour or so, and uh, it's great to connect. So, I'm going to go straight in to our, oh, I should also mention that ladies had their, the sisterhood had an online conference, uh, well, we hosted an online conference here from the Cosmic Coast in person, and I think the ladies had a blast yesterday. Anyone agree with that? There was more than four people there, but uh, they, they had a blast, and, and they were encouraged, so fantastic. Well, hey, um, to, next week we're going to talk about um, how truish beliefs most apply to our daily life, but today we're going to talk about how truish beliefs uh, can be, are sometimes applied to eternal life. We're going to deal with eternal life and and. and what Jesus said about that and what is true, what is false, what is in between, what are we unsure about. We're going to look at this objectively, um, but we're going to start with a story in Acts 16. Paul and Silas uh, in Acts 16 are in the situation where it's not good. They've been caught, they've somehow woke up and they're in jail, and uh, they've been persecuted and they're stuck. But for some reason, they decided to have a worship service at 12, 12 or midnight. And, and then all of a sudden, there's a, natu- a, a natural disaster happened at that exact point, which then flung up, opened the jail doors and released not just them, but all the prisoners. But what was interesting, as we pick up here, is that the jailer was, was borderline, he was about to commit suicide because he realized, I'm going to die anyhow because I've, I've not done my job well. All the prisoners are gone. And we're going to pick up here in verse 29, it says, the jailer called for lights, rushing, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Let's pray. God, we just ask you to come and speak through me. May these be your words. God, I ask for your help, Holy Spirit. Speak to our situation, speak to our hearts, and convict us of anything that's not of you, and realign us today so that we can be freed by your truth. 
In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Amen. What must I do to be saved? That's a question that you could ask to many different people and get many different answers. For instance, if you asked, Will I am? Hey, what must I do to be saved? That might be slightly different to what you would get if you ask President Trump or President Biden. Oh, you're awake now. Or if you maybe went and asked Pastor Kanye West, you might get a different answer to Will Farrell or the Pope. If you asked, hey, what must I do to be saved? You might get a different answer there. Or maybe you went to Billy Graham. What must I do to be saved? So, so, so what must I do to be saved? What is truth? Where's our pivot point? What's our foundational value with this? Where does it come from? What, what's the thought? Where does the thought even come from, the idea of being saved? And so we live in a world, as we've spoke about it, that, that believes or often persuades us to believe in relativism, which is the assumption that there's no such thing as absolute truth. Truth is evolving. What used to be true is not true today. But I know they used to believe that back in the day, and that's a traditional thing. It's a religious thing. But today, you know, we're modern. We're 21st century people. You've heard that before. Um, And then we've got subjectivism as well. It's the belief that I, the subject, have the right to believe what I believe. You believe what you believe. And, and really, belief, my belief isn't determined by right or wrong without submit. I don't want to submit my belief under any judgment or authority, essentially. I, I just want to own it. It's mine. It's not yours. You have your thing. I'll do me. You do me. You do you. I do me. We've probably, if we're honest, some of us have thought those thoughts. We've even maybe said those things. But, but, but is it true or true-ish? So let me give you an example on that vein. I'm driving down the road in a 30, but I'm doing 60. Nobody in here has ever done that, but this is just me, okay? I hear the sirens. The police officer pulls me over. He's lucky I actually pulled over because I didn't feel like pulling over because it's subjective and it's relative and all that stuff. And he says, sir... Do you realize what speed you were doing? And I was like, yes, yeah, 60. And he's like, that's against the law. Did you not see the circle with the 30 in it? I says, I did. But, but to be honest, sir, respectfully, sincerely, I don't, I'm, not a 60, I'm not a 30 type of person. It's not, it doesn't suit my per- I'm a fast person. My personality is very fast. I like to, to break barriers and and, and it's, just, it's just who I am. So, so you, sorry, you do your truth, I'll do mine. Cool. What do you think the police officer's going to say? You're a lunatic. Get, you're under arrest. We need to get you off the road. You're dangerous. But sir, it's my feelings. Sure, sure it's subjective and it's relative and it's the world. We, you know, and I know that was truth a few years ago, but surely truth is evolving. There's no such thing as absolute truth. You're under arrest. See, that's how some of us are living our lives. I know it's supposed to be 30, but I'm, I'm at 60. That's just the way I think and the way I feel, and so it must be true. See, some other problems is if, if, 
you know, the, the message today is as long as you are sincere, it doesn't matter what I believe. That, that's what some of us, it's a true-ish statement. Some of the problems we would have is it doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you're sincere. I don't understand how a loving God could send people to hell. So that's, that's a very, like, I would struggle with that because it, it seems right. It feels nice to think that everyone would just get everything right all the time and there would be no problems in the world and everything would just be perfect and nice and rosy and every, happily ever after. And I was, at a, I was marrying someone there on Monday and I actually brought this series into the ceremony because I realized that a big problem with marriages is people get married and make vows and, and, and it's not holy matrimony, it's happy matrimony. If, as soon as you stop making me happy, bye-bye. But we've got to get this ingrained. It's holy matrimony, meaning for better or for worse, in good and in bad, in sickness, sorrow, and joy. I'm with you. That's true love. Can I get an amen? So you might even listen to Oprah. <laughs> and she's telling you that all paths lead to heaven or all paths lead to God and all religions are the same. So if that's what the culture is telling us, we've got to really talk about it. We can't ignore it because we're being affected by it. We've got to be able to call out truth and lies. We've got, we got to know foundationally what is going on as we hear things. We protect, we guard our heart from believing the wrong stuff. Because often, I would say most of the time, the issues that we carry in our heart are really derived from what we believe. A curse, not just being unhappy, but a curse is derived from something subconsciously believed. So is a blessing. You believe in Jesus, you're blessed. Why? Because you believe that He paid the price for all of your sin. You're blessed. It's, it's more than happy. It's deeper than that. It gives you the ability to have purpose, to endure storms, to have not just endure storms, but actually have peace in them. So, we know Americans, they love the research. I'm sure a lot of you have been looking at a lot of stuff related to America of recent, unless you're sick of it by now, um, which I am. But here's some research uh, from America that, that they found. 50%, this is from a few years ago now, 53% of Americans believe if someone is generally good, you go to heaven. 43% born-again Christians say it doesn't matter what religion, a religious faith you follow, they teach the same thing. 57% of evangelical Christian members said they believe many religions can lead to eternal life. You see, if the devil is real and Satan is alive, he is the father, the Bible says he is the father, the deceiver, the father of lies. So, so he won't just come in, in, in something obvious. He's, he's cute. He's cunning. It's just a, oh, let's just veer to the right a little bit. Oh, just accept that person. and Don't give them the fault. Just give them a bit of the truth. And so we end up in this place over years, far, far, far away from truth to the point where we're completely inactive, ineffective, and, and the foundation's on which we stand are sandy land. They can't endure. They won't stand the test of time. So we're going to work through a few systematic questions that, that we should ask. Are all religions basically the same, and are they all going the same road? 
This, I'm not going to do this from a bias. I'm going to try not to do this from a bias point of view. But let's look at it from a, from a helicopter stance, from an overview, disconnect ourselves just for a minute as the church. Now, I would say I'm not the best theologian in the world. I don't have all the answers, but, but let's just ask a few simple questions. I don't think most of us are. So, and sometimes when you get so deep into something, you can get even more confused <laughs> instead of simplifying. So, first statement, just because you're sincere doesn't mean what you believe is true. Let's ask that simple, simplify. So, let's, let's go to the topic of X, X Factor. Okay? Anyone watched X Factor before? It's a program where people come on, they try to sing, they get voted on or off. Have you ever seen a person come on and they sincerely believe with all of their heart that they are the next Madonna? Have you ever seen that? They, they, like, I mean, they've been practicing in the shower. Like they've been practicing for years. It's, it's not like they don't, it's not, it's not really to do with the level of belief. They sincerely believe this is a true fact that they are the next Madonna. Elvis is here. 21st century Elvis has arrived on the scene. And they're expecting as they walk out onto the stage that all the judges are going to be wowed. They truly believe it. They're actually, they probably believe, they've already envisioned they're going to, that they're going to be blown away and the crowd cheering. They've envisioned all that stuff before they've came out. They've had faith in it. They've had confidence in it. And then they come and a man by the name of Simon Cowell chirps up and says, you're rubbish. And if we're honest, most of us would agree. And most of us would be asking, does that person have no friends that would actually tell them the truth about how bad they are? Because the truth will set them free. You wouldn't have to embarrass yourself in front of 60 million people. So, just because you're sincere doesn't mean what you believe is true. Some of you are sitting here today watching online, and you're sincere about your beliefs. I don't, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. I'm not even saying that you don't believe it with all of your heart. But it doesn't mean that it's right. And it doesn't mean what you believe is true. <laughs> it might be true to you, but it might not be true. It might be true-ish. <laughs> Number two, truth in Many world religions, are, are, there's truth in many world religions, but all world religions can't be true. So there's truth in many, there's, there's certain truths, but they all can't be true. You know, how often do we say, you know, or, or we hear people who are maybe quite angry about this topic, and, and they're like, that's a cult, and that's satanic, and the devil's working through them over there, and even within churches, sometimes people are like that because their truth is their truth and they're right and everyone else is wrong. And, and so, but what if we took away that anger and actually objectively opened our heart and, and opened our mind and, and asked some basic questions? So if we look at the, the world religions from a surface point of view, I, I would say we can actually agree that there's probably some things that come across similar on the surface. Um, the first would be, you know, a lot of them would say that life is sacred, it's important, uh, and life is sacred, it's something we should value. They would all say that, yep. Most would teach there's something more after life. A lot of them would have that kind of topic in their round. Um, 
And then others would have consistencies with morality, like you should do, be nice to people, do unto others as you would like done unto you. That's probably a common trait that we would see in a lot of religions. But if we take a, a, a bigger view and we look more deeply to the foundations of what they truly believe underneath all of that surface stuff, because anyone can be nice to your face, <laughs> but have completely different beliefs to you, be going completely different down a different road, would choose completely different behavior in different situations because of what they believe. But on a, surf on a surface, face-to-face -face basis, you'll both say hello to each other. You'll both smile. But that's really not a good insight into what road that person's going down. So let's look at Buddhists. They don't believe in God or final or eternal existence. So that's Buddhists. So there's no hope. It's just this life. That's it. Hindus do believe in a God who isn't personal, who can be reached through countless smaller deities or gods, or statues, as some of you might have seen. Muslims believe in Allah, who is personal, but has no secondary deities, and they have a total ban on all idols. So we're comparing and contrasting all these different religions. Buddhist, Buddhism and Hinduism can't promise you forgiveness of sins. There's no supernatural help. All you have is karma. So sow and reap. If you do this, we'll expect karma. Um, Christianity has the potential of forgiveness of sins through Christ, potential of supernatural help, and, and the, the, that God is a personal God. And then Buddhists believe there is no God, that, but then Jesus said He is God. So there's major, major differences foundationally to all religions. So really, they couldn't be much further apart. There's so many different beliefs and as I've mentioned before, in India, it's, I think, the most uh, religions per square mile in all of the world. There's like thousands, because people just have that subjective, relative mindset, I'm going to make my own religion up. This is my truth. Who wants to follow? And that continues on. Heat. Whew, it's getting warm. Thank you. Number three, discovering and living truth matters more than anything else in life. So, discovering truth and living truth matters more than anything else in life. As much as you like the car you're driving today, as much as you like the person you're with, as much as you like the house or the place that you live, it's still not the most important thing if we're designed to live for more. If eternal life is a thing, then there's something way more important than just what you're doing today. Can I get an amen? So, let me explain. A pilot, you're getting on a plane, right? And the pilot invites you into the cockpit, shows you all the buttons and all the colors and LEDs and whatever else and, and how he drives the plane. And he says, right, this, this red button over here, that's the right wing. And that other red button at this side, that's the left wing. This green button over here, this, this button is for the fuel. It allows the fuel to go in. This, this pink button is the, is the engine and, and gives access to the engine to start up. And this, is, this button over here shuts the engine down. This, turn, this turns the plane. And it goes through all this regimented routine of telling us what everything uh, means and, and what every button represents. And, and he knows exactly the truth about everything. Every, every light and, and et cetera, et cetera. And that's why he went to training school. But he says, today, Phil, 
I'm going to, you're going to get in the plane, but I'm just going to go with what feels right. I'm going to forget about all the things that I've learned. I'm just going to go with what colors I like. I'm just going to go with what seems right. I'm going to just go for it, and I'm just going to believe in myself to, to find out truth just by senses and feelings and discernment. Are you getting on the plane? Or maybe we talk to the tower, the control tower, and the control tower says, listen, Phil, you're supposed, the pilot's supposed to, to, to take off at 9.30 east, but today we're feeling, let's just go for west, and let's, let's, let's take off at 10, and we're just going to hope that there's, there's no planes about, and, and when we're getting up in the air, there's just nobody getting in the way of the takeoff. We're just going to go with it, go with our feelings, trust our gut, trust discernment, and it's just how we're feeling today. What do you think? Or maybe you want to go for surgery, and your appendix has ruptured, and, uh, you know, don't believe in absolute truth, the surgeon says, but you know, I would have been taught that you, know, you need to take the appendix out. But today I'm feeling more like a liver, liver uh, problem, and I just feel like we're just going to go into the liver and explore and see what's going on there. Even though all the symptoms, and, and because I don't really believe in absolute truth, so we're just going to go for it and feel it out. Who wants to go to surgery. You'll get nervous. Why? Because you realize my life is on the line. And if I, if I neglect that the fact that there's absolute truth, then I'm in trouble. If that button doesn't mean engine on or engine off or, or brakes, well, then we're in trouble. My life is on the line. You, I can be sincere I can have good intentions, but if the truth is not truth, I'm in trouble. Are you with me? So some of us have been, you know, affected by what grandma said. We've been affected by what the person in the shop said. We've been affected by the horoscopes and what they say. But, but what is truth? So Really what we can do today is I'm just going to objectively tell you a little bit about Jesus and, and you know, some of the, the questions around him objectively, and it's really your decision. The Bible says if you seek God with all of your heart, like everything you have, if you really try, that you will find him. So this isn't really on me to pressure you, to force you. It's your decision. It's your choice. But one thing is sure is that we're all going to die one day. One, guess if you're a betting person, go bet that someone's going to die. It's one out of one. It's a hundred percent. It's really going to. It's really going to happen. So let's look at at, at what Jesus said and, and just look at some of the thoughts and, and verses that we see within the scripture. This is a scripture that Jesus wrote in in Luke six and twenty seven. He says. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those that hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on, on one cheek, turn to them, the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your, your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Now, as far as Jesus is concerned, that's, a, that's actually a very, that's a beautiful 
portion of Scripture. <laughs> Who would agree that if, if we all done those things, that the world would be a better place? If we actually took what Jesus came on the earth, and He seemed to say, we can agree that that's a beautiful thing. I don't think anyone when Jesus was living had a problem with what He was saying here. I don't think they would, they would say it was evil. I don't think they would say it was bad even. I think there was another problem underneath the scenario. But then we also see in Mark 6, it says, what's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? So Jesus seemed to have performed miracles, things that we can't cognitively really grasp or understand, but they happened. And, and if you look at the three major religions in the world, they all agree that Jesus existed, and, and at least He was a good prophet. They're not disagreeing necessarily with all of these stories. And if you actually look at the Pharisees, the people who were dead against Jesus, who ended up killing Him, the Jews, not one, I, I don't hear really many complaints about His miracles. I don't see them coming up and, and, and complaining of all this good teaching that He'd done. If anything, they were amazed. But, but what I see from, from the Scriptures and from writings is that they weren't necessarily worried about whether the miracles were real or not. They weren't trying to call Him fake. They were actually trying just to stop Him because of His influence, because of what He was doing. And so, what, what, do, what does Scripture actually claim? It claims that, you know, we, we hear the story of the loaves and the fish. We hear sto there's stories written and witnesses, witnesses accounts of, of blind eyes being able to see. We see them being able to rise people physically from death to life again with Lazarus. We, we see um, him speak life and, and claim to forgive sin. So, he's not just coming across as just a good person. He's doing something just way beyond that. And it's written, and it, it's, it's not really disputed on many occasions. So, so, his miracles weren't really questioned by the Pharisees, his enemies. They also weren't really saying he was fake. You know, you think about it, if, if there's a fake prophet or there's a fake person in town who's claiming all these magical whatever claiming, the first thing you'd be going to research, is this real? Like, is that person still alive? Have they still got a limp? Are they walking? They, they, they were paralyzed, but are they still walking? I want to know. I want to talk to their friends. And you would definitely go and try and disprove it, because it would be so mind-blowing to think that somebody could actually perform that kind of miracle. But in, we, we don't see anywhere, really, that being a, a narrative that, that was brought to the rulers of that day that this man was a fake. It was more that they were just offended, <laughs> that everything that they had built, the religion, the laws, their, their way of life, their temples, if, if this man is right and he keeps doing what he's doing, it means everything we have built is in vain. I'm going to lose my mortgage. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my ability to have comfort in my life. I'm going to lose my influence. And it's because of this man, Jesus. Of course they were mad. Of course they were angry. Of course they felt vulnerable and, and they wanted to shut him up because he was about to, di 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 he was about to disrupt 
and dissect everything that they've been living for to that point and everything that they believed. Listen, when somebody gives you truth, it hurts sometimes, especially if you're way far off what truth is. You don't want to hear truth. It can even make you angry as a response. So it says in Acts then 3 and 15, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. So this is a major part of this claim of who Jesus is, that he actually did, he didn't just die, but he actually rose again. That's a major claim. So, the, so objectively, what, you know, what things could we maybe doubt or what things might we question? Is that really real? Sometimes it's very hard to even believe the gospel because it's so surreal. How could God be that good? The gospel is the, the gospel of news which is too good to be true. So sometimes we find it hard to, to grasp because it's, it's, it's so great. And so here's a few questions that we might ask, or you might ask, or some people might ask about the resurrection and was it really real? Did it really happen? So, so one of the, the claims was that the Roman, Roman soldier took Jesus. They took him from the tomb. They stole him. He was put in the tomb. He died. He put in the tomb, and then the, the Roman soldier stole him. So, so the question is, if Jesus was such a threat to the Roman Empire, he was causing such disruption to the point where they killed him, well, wh- why, would they, why would they take him? Why would they not just tell the Christians as, as the Christian church rose up? Why would they not just say, listen, we've got him. <laughs> He's here. You know, your religion's over. Come on, come on, we'll show you the body to prove that it was all he didn't resurrect, we've got him. So to me, that doesn't, it's not valid because if they wanted to decommission this church rising up where people were willing to die for their faith and it was causing all kinds of problems to their system, why would they not just say, listen, we've got him, come on and say him, that's, Christianity's over, no more hassle, move on. So to me, that, that's a suggestion that I would believe it doesn't make sense. Number two, disciples stole the body. So some people would suggest that the disciples stole the body so that the narrative of their story would continue and that they could create a new religion maybe called Christianity. So if they, they took Jesus from the tomb, then they could say, look, he rose again. Let's keep going. Let's keep doing whatever we're doing. Even though it's fake, let's just keep doing it. So if that was true, that's fair enough. You might believe that. You might be sincere in those thoughts. But the question I would have is... At some point when I'm about to, to get crucified or get stoned to death, I might hold my hand up and say, hey, I was only joking. Only jo- we joke. We joke. You know, we actually took him. Hand- I'll put my hands up. Hey, don't kill us. Just a wee joke. I- I'm not willing to die for this. It's not that big a deal. Um, I- I'll just confess. I'm going to fess up that we took him, and he's actually not rose from the dead. So can I get off the hook, and can you not stone me to death? right now. I think I would be right there if that's what happened. And then thirdly, Jesus claimed, I am the way, the truth, and the life, but no one comes to the Father except through me. 
So he didn't say, I'm the way of many lives. I'm the, I'm the way of many ways. He said, I'm the only way. And not just one of many truths, the only truth and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. This very black and white straight statement. And so the question we have then, now we're left with Jesus and His claims as God. We've got to ask the question, was He crazy? The three things we really need to ask is, was He a liar? Was He an absolute lunatic? Or was He Lord? Was He liar? Was He a lunatic? Or was He actually the Lord? Um, so the first one, liar. So, so if we look at all the major religions of the world, you know, you know, the Muslim faith, the Jewish faith, and Christianity are three biggest religions of the world. Um, every one of those religions agree, they all agree on Abraham at the very start of the Scriptures. They all agree that Abraham uh, was a father of many nations. They all followed actually, for the most part, the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible. But they also all agree that Jesus existed, and He walked the earth, and that He was a prophet. But where there's a problem is that, that the Jewish and the Muslim faith don't believe that He was Lord. They just believe He was good, a good teacher. The problem with that is that Jesus claimed Himself that I am God, the Son of Man. He, he claimed that He is God in the flesh. He claimed that I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, so there's, a, there's a question now, who's telling the truth? Is the Jewish? Is the Christians? Is it the Muslims? Is the Christians? Who's got it right? But the problem is if, if you just think he's a good, te- a good moral teacher, which is to do with right and wrong and truth, well then, Jesus is written on record to claim that he is God in the flesh. So he can't be both because he's act- if you're saying he's a moral teacher, but he's claiming to be God and he's not, then he's a liar. And he's no longer a good moral teacher because he lies, right? So let's go on to the next one. He's a lunatic. Well, that's pretty simple. Have you ever seen a lunatic? They do crazy stuff. It doesn't make sense. They don't have a, an accurate trail of thought. They certainly can't do miracles. They come onto stages and believe they can sing. <laughs> when they can't. But, but in reality, they don't produce the goods. They're certainly not doing miracles. They're certainly not doing good works. They're certainly not making sense in that area of their life. So I, it's up to you. you. You might think he's just a lunatic, even though all these other religions still believe he's good. Christianity believes he's God. And lastly, Jesus is Lord. So he actually is, you could say, okay, I actually believe he is who he says he is. Nothing else really makes sense. I actually believe because I see Scripture's written, and I see how He changed people's lives. I see how He deals with all the core problems within our life of forgiveness, justice, destiny. He deals with destination, but He deals with where we come from. He deals with all those core questions. I see the Scriptures, I read the stories, and I still see them today. And I still see that people are getting saved, set free, finding purpose. And it makes complete sense the way God has set up the family unit, 
with male and female. I agree with those things, that, that, that God wants people to, to live a life of purpose, not absent of trouble, but through trouble. I've seen it, I've experienced it, and I surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ because the evidence is all around me. And, and it, everything lines up. When I come into the presence of God, you might say, or you come into the church, something just is sense, a sense is right. There's a truth about it. It's not just a feeling. There's something deeper than that. It, it, it lines up with the function of humanity and how God has created the earth. Everything, all the boxes are ticked from the start to the finish and the in-between. And you would say, right, it's, it's time for me to surrender to the Lordship of Christ. Because I've asked the simple questions. I realize there must be absolute truth. And I want to find it, and I want to seek it, and I want to align with it. And I know that when I do, I will be raised to life, not just here, but forevermore. That's your choice. It's just a question. You can seek it. You might be confused, you might be on a journey, and that's okay too. Listen, this is a church, this is a place where people are on a journey. And if you're in here and your level of faith is at a one, well, our, our goal is to bring you to a two. If you're at a four, let's see if we can get you to a five. And so forth and so forth. And so, as, as the band come ahead on, back up, I want to ask you a few questions. You know, when, when Peter was with, you know, as the way Jesus operated is that he brought people on a journey with him, and they got it wrong all the time. And Jesus was about to say, or he did say, he's, he's going to go to the cross. And Peter was like, what? Why would you do that? You shouldn't have to do that. And Jesus had really stern words to him. He says, get behind me, Satan. But he actually also asked the disciple, as they were, asked the disciples, as they were on a journey, who do you say that I am? Because they were telling them about how, you know, these people over here, they're saying that you're just a good prophet. These people over here think that you're satanic. These people here think you're a magician. You know, they're giving the report, but Jesus went straight to the big question was, but who do you say that I am? And the question I would ask you, listen online and in person is, who do you say that Jesus is, really nothing else matters. And let's strip that down a little bit deeper. Because sometimes when you're brought up in a Christian family, I'm saved, I, you know, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that, you know all the right things to say. You can say it with your lips. But I believe Jesus was probing and he was trying to get beneath the surface. So let's ask this question right now. Not who do you say Jesus is, but what does your life say who Jesus is? What does your life say? What does your actions say? What does where you spend time to meditate tell you about who you say Jesus is? Where are your thoughts, the majority of your thoughts, what does that tell you about who you think Jesus is and what the truth is in your heart right now? Where are your finances invested? On the things of earth or of the things which are eternal? Who do you say 
What does your life say about who Jesus is? I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a few things I'd like you to do. Subscribe to our podcast so the most recent message will always be in your feed. Secondly, if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can go onto our website at ariatchurch.org and give now. And we will see you next time on the Ariat Church Podcast. Thank you.